When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, happy new year, happy 2024. We are Draft 412, and all in 2024, we're starting off some new podcasts. We got Darren Vickless on hand for some on-the-clock hockey talk on the 412. Darren, Happy how to are be you here. doing, man? Really, really nice to see you. Um, <laughs> Darren, Darren's from old school. We uh, he's back in my sports Bible days, and I started uh, doing podcasts before coming on to uh, this great company, Draft Four One Two. Darren's going to give us weekly um, talks on the Penguins, uh, what's going on with them around. Give us maybe a, a couple looks around the league as well. And Darren, how can somebody get a hold of you once they see this podcast? So I am, I've cut back a little bit on social media, but if I'm, st- when I still am, I still go on Twitter or X, uh, the Elon Musk machine now, uh, from time to time. Uh, my username on there is D underscore nasty. I'm, I'm aware that's corny, uh, zero two. Uh, and it's 99% of it is me getting mad at the Steelers or discussing the Penguins. <laughs> I'm more level headed with the Penguins. And that is definitely true. You get some good, some good feedback. If you're not watching the game, you get Darren's text. If you can, or his uh, tweets, you can actually tell what's going on in the game, right or wrong. Darren, let's get on it with the Penguins right now. A rough loss last night. Um, they were nine, what four nothing, cut it to four three, lose late. But overall for the season right now, what is going wrong with the Penguins in your eyes? Like what? And they put a couple games here and there together, but it seems like the consistency just still isn't there. I will say they've been better of late, seven, two, and one in their last ten. So and even last night, because you have the Flyers losing, the Islanders losing, uh, Tampa Bay got blown away in regulation. They really didn't lose any ground last night, even though it's frustrating of a loss as it was, considering who the opponent was and they were the better team for most of the night. But the big thing for them early in the year, the power play was appalling, like borderline. I wish we could decline penalties level of bad. Um, it's been better recently. And I know not everyone likes to get into the fancy stats. I'm a huge believer in looking at expected goal models and you can pick and choose the model. It could be the J fresh model. It could be the Dominic, uh, excuse me, Dom Lushishin, 
uh, through the athletic, most of his models, pretty much all of them have the Penguins as a top four to six team offensively in terms of chance creation. And some of that was the power play. I think it was a mix of them being snake bit. And then because you're snake bit, you just overcomplicate things. And last night when the power play clicked um, with the goals, really simple backdoor plays against the one Crosby. I know the one was after the power play expired technically, but it was a de facto power play goal. Um, and where they're just doing simple plays, they're getting shots to the net through traffic. Carlson in particular is shooting the puck a lot more, which people are going to complain. He's a very polarizing player, but he's more good than bad. And I think the power play is going to regress to the uh, regress to the mean, not necessarily regress to be worse. It's going to regress to the mean to where I think it's going to be a slightly above league average power play. That's the way it looks like it's trending right now. And if you get that with the stable goaltending that they've been getting all year, which was my big question mark initially was how the goalie is going to hold up. If the power play regresses to that average, you occasionally get a bottom six goal. I still think this is a playoff team. I, again, I know they lost to the Caps last night. That is not a team to be scared of. The Penguins boat raced them in the first game they played them. And then they boat raced them for two periods last night. They had a bad 15 minutes where Jari, who has been this consistent all year, had a very couple uncharacteristically just out of position kind of plays for the season. And the Ryan Graves Carlson pairing has been a disaster. And it's not really been because of Carlson. The moment they change the D pairings around a little bit, which kudos to Sullivan for doing it on the fly, it's hard to take a new guy who gets a big deal like Ryan Graves and going, nope, third pairing with you. We're going to change this up on the fly and we're going to roll with it. And then they put the Capitals in a blender for the rest of the game. They just couldn't overcome a four-goal deficit, which is asking a lot, um, regardless of who the opposition is. It could be the Buffalo Sabres, and you're probably not going to overcome a 4 nothing deficit. But um, the big the big issues they've had, I think, have been better lately. They are occasionally getting bottom six goals now, especially now with Brian Rust being back, bumping some guys back down the lineup a little bit. And then the power play has been better. But those are the things you do have to worry about. We've seen them go bad for what's essentially half the season now. So if you go cold like that again in the second half, all this ground you've made up with this nice 7-2-1 run and with some fortunate bounces of opposition uh, dropping points ahead of them in the Metro, you could be right back where you started five points out having to climb the mountain again instead of the two points out they are right now. Well, you mentioned some of the things we can rectify uh, going forward with, with the Penguins, but 18, 14, and 4, so they're basically, it's a little, it's a little, a little considered a little bit over 500, or that is 500. In my brain, yeah, it's 500. They are a bang average hockey team right now who I think is trending positively. But a trend is a trend. You have to continue that positive trend or else it doesn't mean anything. And they're still going to have a really rough gambit of teams coming up or a gauntlet of teams, excuse me, coming up that are in the Metro. But honestly, they've been they, they had that frustrating loss to the Rangers. They they're one and one against the Caps and were the better team in both games against the Caps. Honestly, they've manhandled the Islanders and the Hurricanes, their big bugaboo. They were the better team for two periods, got a little complacent in the third, but you hang on and you win in the shootout. So they've been pretty good against the Metro. Um, they have that uh, they had a rough game against the Devils too. So they're a little bit above 500 in their own division. If they keep playing that way, I think they're going to end up in a playoff spot. And I think the team they played last night is the most likely candidate to fall out. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Flyers did too. I think they they have the torts bump, like where they're playing above their heads a little bit because. I don't like Tortorella, but dudes in the league love playing for that guy, by and large. Not everybody, but most dudes like playing for that guy. They just they play their hearts out for him. But th- it's rare that lasts the whole season, and we saw that a lot in Columbus with Tortorella. Well, so you, so you're basically saying right now you think that the um the game the, the season's by not going too much worse 
than what you would have thought at the beginning? Or do you think this is a, a disappointment to this point? Or is this what, what you expected coming out of the gate with the Penguins, Ron? You know, did you expect them to struggle to, to get into the wild cards this year? I think the question is going to come down to, can they play themselves back into a safe division spot? Or is it white knuckle wild card to the end of the year? I said going into the year, and I still maintain this, I think the power play is going to get continue to improve, and I think Carlson's going to be that guy. He's going to be Eric Carlson. He's an older version of him, not at not the peak of his powers anymore, but he doesn't have to be. Splitting minutes with Chris Letang and then having Marcus Pedersen that can kind of help with either pairing. Um, so I think they're trending positively. I think they're a playoff team. If you made me bet right now, I would say wild card. If for no other reason, I think New Jersey is also going to write their ship. New Jersey's in the same exact spot the Penguins are, positionally in the standings. I think there's two points or three points separating them, but then there's the difference of an extra game played on one side versus the other. Mm. But um, I think New Jersey's a team that's going to play better. Carolina's finally starting to play better, and the Rangers have such a hot start, you're not going to catch them. So unless New Jersey continues to kind of, unless New Jersey regresses and the Penguins continue their thing, I think I think they're wild card one, and I think Tampa is your wild card two. When everything's all said and done at the end of the year, yeah, it's, it's the, the division. If you look at the rankings, I mean, we're what tied for six. So I mean, uh, and Columbus is. Is, Columbus is behind us, of course, but we're tied with New Jersey for the uh, sixth spot uh, in the division, and it's just amazing to me looking at all the points and that going through our division. It, it is a tough. It's a you got to you got to climb some teams from now to the end of the year, which. You know, in hockey with the extra points, it could be easy, it could be hard that way. Um, what is your stance on on the guy at the Penguins? He's, he's basically the only chip, probably the biggest chip in the Penguins' uh, toolbox if they want to um, improve their team in the long run or give up on the season kind of thing. But Jake Gensel, what is your stance on Jake? Um, is, I think so. In terms of Gensel as a player, or do you mean just like his his current relative need to the Penguins? Oh yeah, what do, you, yeah. what do you think the Penguins are going to do with Jake Gensel? I mean, like, when's the shutoff date? Like, if the Penguins lose their next five and start to fall out of playoffs, just say that. Oh, if they bought him out, if hmm. they bought him out, I would bet money he you're calling Jim Rutherford in <laughs> Vancouver, and you're going Jonathan Lacary Maki on a first round pick. That, that's the, and people who don't know who that is. People like me have way too much time on their hands. Uh Maki's a first round pick from not this past draft, but the one previous top 10 pick a little bit of a slow start turned into an absolute monster of late. Um, and I, I think that's going to be a bona fide top line scoring winger, not unlike Jake Ensel, a little bit bigger, but very similar player profile. Um, and here's the thing. If you trade him, there's nothing stopping you from bringing him back in the off season. The cap's going up. I mean, Jeff Carter's deals off the books. Like, I think Jake Gensel will end up being a penguin again, whether it's he stays the whole season, if they stay in a playoff spot, or if they sign and bring him back. That's a different conversation. Um, because a lot of the Canadian teams are on his no trade list. So if he votes that, then no, it doesn't matter. But if he'd be willing to go to a place like Vancouver, I know Jim Rutherford would pay aggressively for him because if that man likes nothing else, he likes former Pittsburgh Penguin players. Yes, he does. Ones that he used but, uh, to have. But if you're going to ask me, I think he's. I think they're going to hold on to him. I think they're going to play their way back into a playoff spot where you're not going to be. You're not going to go into the last three or four games of the year or three or four games before the deadline, terrified of what happens if you don't trade him. I think they're going to trend more positively. I like I said, I don't trust the Islanders. I do not trust the Capitals, and I do not trust the Flyers. And honestly, the entire Atlantic Division. 
outside of Boston, Toronto, and Florida has been bad to mediocre. Uh, I think Tampa slots in the mediocre. They're in the same boat the Penguins are, an older team with some pedigree that's trying to right the ship a little bit right now. Now, their situation is different not having Vasilevsky for a big portion of the year. But Victor Hedman's not been great. I mean, their they're big guns up top are scoring, but they're, they're kind of in the same boat as the Penguins, and they're very top-heavy, and their special teams have been leaving a little bit to be desired. Um, and I think they're your wild-card spots. But Ottawa, I think Ottawa, Detroit... Um, Buffalo, I think those three teams that people thought would take a step forward are completely dead in the water. Completely dead in the water. Um, and Ottawa in particular has been massively disappointing. I know they beat the Penguins a few weeks ago, but they didn't look good doing it. Like the Penguins forced overtime in that game on the road mm-hmm. in a back-to-back situation. Like uh, Ottawa just didn't look good. Um, so I think ultimately the Penguins keep him. I think they're going to push for a playoff spot. If something happens, the bottom falls out. If Crosby gets hurt, for example, that's kind of the nuclear option where if he gets hurt, that's where all bets are off. Yeah. Um, where you'd probably have to make a move. And again, I think Gensel's a guy you get a decent first round pick and an A plus, like a blue chip prospect for. And you could probably get more if somebody's really desperate. Do you think you get that? Um, you think you get that as a as a rental? Like you think you get that with a team knowing it's gonna I think be if it's a, a team like Vancouver or somebody who starred for success. Um, I think teams are like if the West this year, honestly, Vegas hasn't since their hot start, not exactly been world beaters. Edmonton, wildly inconsistent up and down. Colorado, very good results, but they're getting like 868 goaltending. Like that is not sustainable or a recipe for no. success. The West is wide open. Honestly, I can't, I don't think there is one single team this year right now at game approximately, what are we at? 37, 38. Uh, depending on where how many games teams have played right around that ballpark. And there's not been one team who jumps out to me where I go, that's the odds on money favorite. The Rangers record wise, you'd look at that maybe and say yes, but they've not been as great lately. And the big thing with the Rangers, I just don't trust them. I have seen this story before with that <laughs> franchise. Great goalie, a couple of good forwards, but not really enough and a very good power play. Are they going to be able to continue to get the 5v5 production, especially with Philip Heedle being hurt? He's been a big boon for them this year. Now he's hurt. That's your number two center that changes up the lineup a lot. Um, I thought Dallas would be better than what they've been. As I mentioned, Colorado's goaltending's held them back a bit. Um, and no, and the, the Landeskog injury. Um, the entire Pacific Division's kind of been turned on its head. Honestly, if you told me to pick my favorite, most likely cup champion right now, it's probably LA. Um and they could, they can't make a deal with them. But then you have Vancouver, who's very right in the president's trophy race. That is a team that starved for success. And that's why I keep circling back to them. The Jim Rutherford connection. And that's an owner who's notoriously and historically impatient. A city that demands to have a good hockey team, finally. So like, I think that's yeah. a situation where you can get that blue chip and that first round pick is a team like a Vancouver or maybe even a team like Dallas, who has the cap space in the wiggle room, who goes like, this is wide open. Colorado's a down, down year goaltending wise. This is what we need to do to jump in and make some noise. Honestly, Winnipeg is another team who maybe Jay Gensel doesn't want to waive his trade clause there because no offense to Winnipeg, but Winnipeg's by far <laughs> the smallest market in the league. Not yeah. great weather for most of the year. But like you have these teams that this is a chance they're not probably going to get next year. So it's do you go all in? You just say send it, try to get everything you can to run in. And that's what you have to do with a guy like Gensel. And he's by far and away the best player rumored to be on the trading block this year and a league where offense and scoring is always at a premium, that's, especially that's five, five scoring. Uh, yeah. He's the one name that you always see come up in these, um, all these rumors, rumor sites. And 
uh, different things that Pens could do with them. But like, I, I agree with you. They're not gonna unless this this thing bottoms out. Bottoms out. Like you if said, Crosby goes I down and six points. If there's six points out at the trade deadline, that's where you have to have the serious conversation. That yeah, to me, if you're closer than that, or if you're in a playoff spot, no, you hold on to them and you buy. Um, now, what you buy, that's an entirely different conversation that we can. That could be a podcast unto itself. Yeah, we'll but, be uh, we'll be talking about that in the weeks coming up as yeah. well. Darren's going to be here week in and week out. We're going to talk uh, everything Penguins, whether it be free agency, whether it be trade deadline, whether it be um, you know talk about uh, certain guys that are playing but the way they've been playing lately. Whatever we pick. To, to talk about with the Penguins, we're going to get on there and talk uh, for half an hour every every once a week. You'll about to catch it usually on Wednesdays or Thursdays. It'll be recorded. You'll about to hear it the uh, the following day. So, Darren, back to the Pens. Um, what has worked so far this year that you weren't really planning on working or or being a, a positive, and maybe it has turned out to be a positive. I will eat crow on Lars Eller. I thought that guy was going like to be an absolute Jeff Carter style albatross. And part of that's me looking at the really rough year he had in Colorado and not looking at other factors around that him being forced to essentially be a second line center, which just wasn't fair to him. Um, there, there was a lot of moving parts there that made that look worse than what it was. Now, he's still not scoring enough for my like, but he's very good defensively. And one thing he does do is maybe you get him a couple wingers. He's been very productive. And I believe this was uh, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic, who a lot of people who are probably listening to this have also read The Athletic, um, had, had posted a thing today indicating that Jeff, or that John Jeff Carter, uh, Lars Eller, has done better than any team, any player on the Penguins in terms of taking turnovers, transitioning them into the offensive zone, and helping to create scoring chances. Now he's been playing with Rodham Zahorna and Drew O'Connor, who, no offense to those guys, aren't going to convert that into offense. But if you can find a way to bump guys down the lineup, maybe you bring in Jesse Pugliarvi, who's on the trial contract, and you give him some minutes with Eller. Uh, Valtteri Pusinen's been a guy who's kind of been a bit of a terror on the forecheck. Um, and you get kind of a makeshift, very aggressive, up-tempo uh, third line that can kind of be a little bit of a matchup nightmare for teams. Um, but that's probably the biggest thing I was a super big downer on. And then the B plot to that, who I just mentioned, would be Valtteri Pustin and not him specifically. I thought they weren't going to get anything out of any other AHL call-ups this year. I just looked at that and thought it was too bare. Poulin was hurt and wasn't great before he got hurt. Um, Jaeger, we knew already was going to be in the minors. I really did, or in the uh, juniors, excuse me, and then with world juniors and all that. So I didn't think you'd get anything. I am pleasantly surprised in Pustin. So it's kind of like a 1A, 1B situation with what I thought they were going to get out of Eller and then what I thought they would get out of really anybody coming out of Wilkes-Barre. I agree with Pustin. And this, this kid, um, kid impresses me. Seems like he's always got a nice shot. He's always around the puck in the offensive zone. Just seems to make plays happen. He's, 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 he's smart. And I think the last couple guys like him, and I liked, I liked when Nylander was up for that little bit. Uh, he didn't really work out quite as well as I thought he would. But at the very beginning, I thought he, um, he showed a lot of, um, a lot of like offensive know-it-all. At least he knew what he was doing. He knew how to, you know, set up passes and move to certain spots. I liked the way he played. He wasn't like that normal, you know, the, not not putting um, Harkins down, but he's, you know, Harkins type. He has some, he has a little bit of offensive um, moves and knows what he's doing out there. For sure. And, and the big thing with Pustin, and, and it sounds like such a cliched, you've, you know me, I hate the cliched old hockey man takes. I get so frustrated with people. It's one of the reasons I've been a giant Eric Carlson fan prior to him being on the Penguins, and I would go to bat for that guy, and people would call me an idiot. 
and it, even though the the proof is in the pudding that he's just so dominant offensively, and it's not mm. his fault. Ottawa was Ottawa for most of his career. That's um, true. But Pustinen does the old hockey man cliche of he just plays fast, which again is a very generic descriptor. And it's not that he is fast; it's that he he pressures dudes. He's quick on his feet. He gets to the corner, and it, it, he's one of those guys. When in doubt, get it to the net. Not necessarily in a shot fashion, like I'm going to force a shot into a goalie's logo, but I'm going to get it into the skates and sticks at the feet of the goalie, and I'm just going to cause some chaos behind the net. Um, And one thing I like with him, he's very good whenever they're rotating in the offensive zone. He never seems to get caught on the wrong side to where if the puck gets rotated back towards him, he's completely out of position, can't do anything, the puck's turned over, then he has to go to the bench and change. He's very rarely out of position in the offensive zone. I have some gripes defensively with a lot of this team and Pustinen's no exception to that, but offensively they're getting exactly what they want from him. I, I agree. That's another one of them call-ups and, and I think you have some, you have a little bit of news. You uh, we're going to talk to us about, you want to talk about a prospect, maybe um, most non diehard fans will know about, but um, you want to talk about a, a certain prospect who's actually um, performing pretty well. So, yeah, so, and this is somebody, I, I remember the Penguins took him in the fifth round, and you saw a lot of things indicating, like, oh, this is a guy that probably should have gone middle to late second, potentially early third round. I am not that deep into the Russian uh, youth hockey pool to have an opinion one way or the other. I'm like, okay, maybe there's some late value there. But there is a kid currently, he's only 18. Uh, his name is Mikhail Ilyin, I-L-Y-N. Um, he is playing... I believe it's for Sherbovitz. I probably completely butchered that KHL team pronunciation <laughs> because my Russian and Slavic is not very fluent. But um, he is a guy. He mostly plays on the left wing, but he's played on the right wing too. Uh, he's a winger for them. I believe currently he has eight goals and he is at 20 or oh, I, I believe it was 18 assists at the moment. He's essentially on pace though for just over half a point a game production as an 18-year-old kid in a grown men's league. That is normally heavily indicative of future success. That's the kind of numbers you saw from guys playing in the in below the age bracket in the KHL. Numbers like you saw from Evgeny Malkin, Alex Ovechkin, um, Pavel Datsuk a little bit later or earlier, something similar when it wasn't really scouted as much. Artemi Panarin, like legitimately quality big name forwards that produced at 17, 18, 19 in the KHL. That's normally very indicative of future success. That's not saying he's going to turn into one of those guys, but it looks like they have somebody who's going to be a viable NHL player out of the fifth round whose contract is up after 2025. There is the embargo between contracts moving between the KHL and the NHL that makes things very difficult at times. Um, But his contract's up after 2025, which means in theory, he could be over to start the 2025-2026 season. Um, So we'll we'll see on that. But... um, yeah, it just looked like a very late round steal when I mentioned to you before the podcast, and he's been getting some talk on Twitter because a lot of very pub, a lot of the public analytics models, whether it be the Jay Fresh, and I apologize, I don't want to sneeze on camera. <laughs> uh, there was had, had my nose burning there a little bit, but um, a lot of the public analytics models like Jay Fresh, um, Andy and Rono is one that I cite a lot. Uh, Corey Snyder, uh, Dom Lucian through the Athletic, a lot of these public analytics guys that publish their models 
can have a way of grading and projecting future success. And uh, Mikhail Ilian, all of a sudden, is one of the 10 or 15 guys, depending on the model, that looks like this is going to be, and the term you'll hear a lot is a projected star. You can't really see my air quotes off camera right now. <laughs> but all the projected star means you're they're, they're guys that they think conceivably likely could push a point per game while not being like a defensive black hole, guys who drive play. And if you get that out of a fifth round pick, that's a steal. That's a crucial point to get a player who brings you out into whatever the next generation of what this team is going to be post Crosby, Gensel, uh, Latang, Malkin, and now Carlson. That's that's a really good point. And that's a good a good point to tell people. I mean, there's there's prospects. We don't even, you know, unless you're diehard, you don't even know right now they're playing in these World Cups or these uh junior championships and stuff and and the the rules in the NHL were strange with a guy like Jaeger. He he um since he didn't make the team, he has to stay what two years or he has to play till he's eighteen, right? Or, or play till he's twenty one. So he yeah, it's weird. It, it depends on the junior league. Mm-hmm. So he can't. We basically can't treat him like a call up from junior hockey. Either he has to be up or this first year, or he has to be down. So he's going to play the extra year in junior this year, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think next year he's a guy I still don't think you're going to see him next year, barring some ridiculous finish. And he has been very good in juniors this year. But barring something obscene where he just absolutely demolishes the call to, or the um, Memorial Cup playoffs or something like that, I don't think you're going to see him next year. I think he's a guy who's going to go to Wilkes-Barre. He's going to get a lot of seasoning. He's going to get heavy power play minutes. The big thing with him, we still don't know if he's going to play center or wing. I frankly, and this isn't me disparaging Jaeger, the guy I wanted them to get desperately was Zach Benson, who won a pick earlier. And then after that, it was Gabriel Perot, who ended up falling to the Rangers later on, which made it even more frustrating. Jaeger was not my guy at that pick, not to disparage him. And the big thing with him is he plays center a lot in junior. I just don't think he is a center at the next level. And for you guys are like, it's such a demanding position to play in the NHL. People call me crazy on Twitter. Sometimes where I'll say, if you don't have a number one center, you cannot win the Stanley cup. Vegas competitive from the get go. Could not get over the hump until you get a point per game center in Jack. I historically, like it just doesn't happen until you get that point per game dominant center. And Jaeger's not that. And if I'm in that draft slot to me, I'm taking the best center available if I'm the Penguins, just because, but that's my personal preference. The other guy I would have liked to see them take was um, Axel Sandin Palinka, who's been a monster for uh, Sweden, excuse me, if you've been watching any of the World Juniors tournament. I think he's been the best player in the tournament, period, which is wild to say for a defenseman in that particular tournament. But um, those two guys, either Axel Sandin Palinka or. Um, Gabriel Perot at the actual slot were who I wanted. So Jaeger's kind of just not that guy that I would have wanted, but he's been good. He was probably Canada's second or third best player this past World Junior, despite the disappointing team showing he wasn't disappointing. Um, so there are some guys down there, and you have, I still think Owen Pickering's going to be a very good NHL defenseman. Um, trying to think. I, I, at this point, Sam Poulin, to me, if he doesn't get call-up and play-up minutes this year, I'm not sure it's ever going to happen. And people are like, oh, you're only giving him two years. But the, all the time and space in the world is there for him in the Penguins' bottom six right now to, like, earn those minutes. Mm-hmm. And the injury hurts, but he's still not the guy that you hear getting called up. His name's not even being mentioned sometimes and who's getting called up. And to me, that's very concerning. So getting a guy like Mikhail Ilian is a potential big boost to make up if the pool and pick is a miss. Because then you kind of make up for your first-round pick by getting a de facto first-round pick in the fifth round. 
Yeah, that's how I mean that's how a lot of teams read. I mean, we always talk about Patrick Hornquist was the last pick of the draft and he ended Pavel up. Pavel Datsuk was a seventh rounder. <laughs> that's crazy. It's just I mean, and you get guys every Gensel was what, third rounder. Brian mm. Rust, I think, was third or fourth round. Like you get very good players after the first round all the time. It's just does your scouting and assessment staff know where to find them and do you know how to develop them? That ends up being the questions. I mean, it's, it's like any other sport. The, the drafts are just so hit or it's hit or miss. I mean, you, a Connor Bedard doesn't take much to say this guy's really good, but other than that, it's hard to it's hard to pick between you know players and that. You see it every year. You see it in every sport. You see quarterbacks in the NFL that get drafted top three, never make it. It happens in yeah. every sport. It happens in every sport. Uh, another prospect boon too. I think uh, Miroshev or Miroshev, excuse me, the one Penguins goalie they took in a depth draft a few years ago or a depth pick a few years ago has also been tearing it up <laughs> over in the Russian leagues. So maybe maybe they're going to turn into what the Red Wings used to do with Sweden, but just get dudes in the late rounds out of the Russian leagues and end up turning yeah. into viable NHLers. It'd be fine with me. But um, I, so- I would th- I would think that the Russians would be more hit or miss on. Uh, scouting anyways, like you were just talking about, it's hard. It's got to be harder for them, to, you know, scouts to, to get to see them as many. As uh, well, right now, given, the, I mean, the war that's going on over there and then Russia's proximity to the Middle East too often causes a lot of issues in terms of being able to safely travel and depending on where you are in Russia um, does that. The government is obviously, I'm not going to go into a rant about Eastern European politics right now but uh like the situation over there isn't stable it would not be a way i would phrase that so it makes scouting inherently hard you're just less likely to get a physical person in the building talking to these kids talking to their coaches talking to their trainers their school teachers people don't want to believe it but you see it all the time in the nfl draft people with scouts they'll go and talk to anybody and everybody who is even remotely adjacent to players to figure out the asset that they're potentially going to draft and in russia right now it's hard it was hard even before the current uh, Ukrainian war conflict and invasion. Now it's borderline impossible. Um, and then you see it too. Some of the stars may or may not be able to come over, so you're not going to get a return on your investment right away. I still don't think the Flyers are going to get Matt May Mishkov for two years. I, I genuinely I don't that. think that. Which, for them, on the Flyers' timeline, is perfectly okay. But yeah, for some teams, that timeline may not make sense. So you're going to be apprehensive of the draft kids in that situation. It's why uh, everyone passed on Mishkov and he falls to pick seven. Yeah, that was I mean that was if it works out it's a great pick, but like you said, you're you you don't know what you're gonna get or what, what's gonna end up coming out of the uh when he comes back over, he might be what, twenty about twenty three, twenty four? Uh Mishkov twenty two or twenty three. I don't know when his birthday falls. Well when uh, he comes if over Ilya, if, he... if Mikhail Ilian comes over when his deal expires, he'll be twenty or twenty one. Oh, that's perfect. And got to get a good young star like that. That's how we got Gensel. And I mean, just get guys that come in here and you don't don't know who they are, and it's, it ends up being a great draft pick. We're, we're ending up now, um, Darren. I got one last question for you sure. that I, it's on my mind. Um, you mentioned it early. Jari's been hit or miss for the most part. I mean, he's been he's been really good. I mean, but leading the league in shutouts. He's been more um, hit this year than years past. Would be the way I would describe him. But he did have a rough first period last night. So it's, it's a little bit of a give and take. But what do you do to you? Is it getting closer to 50-50? Should Jari and, and Neds be playing closer to 50 each or, or no? Should it be? I would still give Jari, excuse me, the lion's share of the starts. But I do think 
and I apologize. I have a hiccup there. I do apologize for that. But uh, if Jari, for any reason, falters, I mean, that was an aggressive pulling last night after the first three goals. Like, that that was only, what, 12 minutes into the game? Um, yeah. Was... That was an aggressive quick hook by Mike Sullivan to go to Nedeljkovic. And don't get me wrong, I still don't think Nedeljkovic is an everyday starter, but he's good enough that if you get into a situation like a playoff series against the Rangers or the Islanders, which frankly they win either series if they even get barely league average goaltending, I think they beat they beat the Rangers in five games in that series if they had better than whatever that was that Louis Domingue gave them. But um, it's in the, again not trying to hate on somebody in particular, but Nedeljkovic is good enough as a safety net. I think I don't want to call him a one B because I don't think he's even that. Like I, I don't think he's a fifty fifty split start guy. But he's good enough that I think you could survive a playoff series or two if Jari has to get his head straight to get get reorganized. Because we still haven't seen Tristan Jari healthy in a playoff series outside of the Islanders implosion. Nice. We haven't seen it. And so we don't know what he is. But I feel better in Delkovich than I ever did in the Smith or Louis Domingue or any of the other carousel of dudes <laughs> that they have there. Magnus Helberg or whatever his name was for the one start he had this year. He won. Credit to him. Not yep. a guy I want to see in net every night. No, and and, and the thing about uh, Nadalkovic that I love about him is he, he he steals he steals some games. I mean, he's a guy that makes some big, huge saves. That there's times in the games where you look back, you're like, man, he made a couple saves right there that you don't really talk about late in the game. But then you know, the announcers are starting to pick up on it too. Like this kid, this kid, he's hyper aggressive for better or worse. He is hyper aggressive. You're gonna have nights where he's gonna overcommit. And someone's going to score a wraparound and you're going to look at him and be like, what is he blind? Like, <laughs> yeah. not, not to make light of that, but you're going to ask and be like, what was yep. this man looking at on that sequence? And then you're going to get games like the third period against the Islanders where the Penguins didn't play bad, but the Islanders brought it. They got embarrassed in that seven, nothing thrashing on Long Island. Oh my gosh. And they wanted that game bad. And to Penguins credit, they were the better team for 45 to 60 minutes in the second game against the Islanders. And it gave them everything they needed to win, but they had a big surge with about eight minutes to go in the third period where Nadelkovich just answered the bell, like four or five rapid fire, really dangerous on the doorstep. Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Barzal, and those guys hacking away. And Ned just did everything right now, but you're going to have nights where he overcommits like that. Like he had a really rough game. Um, I believe it was against Detroit where he was hyper aggressive and they just held on to the puck for an extra second. He overcommits, mm-hmm. cut to the backhand, score, open net. Like, you're going to get those nights from him. But, I mean, goaltending in general in this league is so volatile that you're getting more good than bad from both Penguins goalies right now. I don't think you could complain. You maybe could complain about the price point a little bit when you do their combined cap hits and among other things. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's some wasted dead cap a little bit there. But, I mean, that's the reality of the league. It's a hard cap league. You're Every team's always going to be looking at their cap going – Oh, why didn't we save two million here, two million there, so we can go get a megastar at the trade deadline? Every team's going to think that. Yeah, um, definitely. Hockey does a, hockey does a better job of uh, policing teams. Like you know, I'm one of the few Pittsburgh people that like the NBA, but them teams find ways. It seems like there's just so many different loopholes in an NBA salary cap to get bring this guy on if you make these exceptions. All this stuff, I don't, I don't get it, but. But I know like veteran like, um, maximums and super max. Oh games. yeah, they have they have ways. Yeah. To, I mean, they're getting their guys getting up close to they're sort of be getting uh, seventy, eighty million dollars a year now too, um, with these with the cap numbers now that they're getting underneath the because uh, there's a lot to pay a certain amount, certain percentage is allowed to go to the number one uh, 
I guess the the highest paid guy or whatever they have like a percentage that you can wait do for, for that us. next that next SGA mm. contract, man. <laughs> that is going Maybe. to be insane. I mean, teams like Pittsburgh and Oakland, we can get into this another time. There's gonna, there'll be a lot of teams that are going to be struggling. These new uh, some of these the new contracts are coming in and coming out. But Darren, thank you so much. Uh, we got some. How many games we got coming up this week? We got um, I think Thursday. We got tomorrow night. Uh, they play tomorrow against Boston. I I think you're going to see the Penguins bring a good effort. Boston's really good. You're on the road. You can bring a good effort, and you could still lose. But I think you're going to see a competitive game. And that's the thing I will say that you were saying, about, oh, what things I've liked about the Penguins. Very rarely this year have they just been like, oh, we're going to roll over and die. Now, they've underperformed with the amount of goals they should have scored relative to the chances they create. But th- this isn't a team that looked like it did down the stretch last year against Chicago, Columbus, where they just rolled over and died. They don't look like that this year, and I think that's the most encouraging thing. They have Saturday against Buffalo, and they got uh, Monday at Philly, too. That's their next three. I um, think you're, they lost those two games against Philadelphia, one in overtime, one in the shootout. I think yeah. this is their get-back game to really jump a little bit back into the standings where I, I could see them handling business. If they can go 2-1, and one, in these next three games, they're sitting pretty. Like, no complaints sitting pretty with them. All right, Darren. I'm, I'm looking forward to this every week. We'll get more involved with uh, some, of the, some of the players. You're having a problem with a player the way they're playing. Bring that to the table next week. Or if you see a player that you want to talk about. Um, or any players around the league that you want to talk about. And I thank you for, for sure. the, uh, the um, information on the Pens prospects. That's, that goes over big. That's going to be a big one to look after people in Pittsburgh to follow and and hope this guy could be the next um, be the next Malkin in Pittsburgh. Yeah, not to super encourage people to look at other media sources, <laughs> but if you ever want to donate, or not donate, but join a very good subscription hockey-related prospect service, there's actually a site called Elite Prospects. I've subscribed to them for years. I use them as a great resource. They're very good for cap hits and things like that, too, and showing how contracts break down for backdiving deals and things like that. But um, most of the information you'll find on Mikhail Ilians available there and other public models. Um, often you have to pay for it, but we'll definitely see going forward as this kid's going to start building some hype. I expect to see his name be talked about by a lot more mainstream sources uh, as we go forward. I agree. And Darren, thank you so much for, uh, for uh, your show tonight. And then next week we'll keep it going. And uh, hopefully people, if you're out there, you have any questions, you can reach me at jt at draft412.com. Um, send me an email. Um, send me an email about with the question you want or you want to talk about something in particular. Or if you want to come on and, and you disagree with something that me or Darren has said, uh, come on and we'll, we'll talk. But um, thank you, Darren. Thank you guys for listening in. And see you next week. We're now off the clock.